Welcome to the Parenting is Heartwork podcast. I'm Dr. Scott Taransky here with Elena Svetslot from the Netherlands, and we are going to address some more issues regarding the heart today. You know, we know that if we work with a child's heart, we can get so much further than just de- uh, dealing with behavior. That's why we don't primarily use a reward punishment model, but we're really trying to embrace tools that address the heart of a child. Uh, Elena and I are both coaches. We work with parents and we're trying to help children to change uh, and to grow. And uh, we're dealing with the tension that exists in family life. So we're going to zero in on that tension today. We're going to bring some ideas to the table. So Elena, thank you for being with me today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Scott. It's really a pleasure to be together. And I know we're, we're helping many families. So this is such a blessing. Um, I would love to just get directly uh, into our conversation because I think many families are struggling with tension, tension uh, between children, uh, between themselves and the the children. So I think it's such an important um, area to discuss. So um, Dr. Scott, how would you, how would you define tension? Wow, that's an interesting question. I think, um, Tension is this conflict that I think exists when we're not on the same page or there's not this sense of cooperating, working together, dealing with life appropriately. Tension takes place in, 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 well, we'll talk about three specific different ways, but the point is this tension sucks the energy out of parents and children. It really takes the energy in our family life away from, I think, what God has for us as, as a mission. So I think every family has a mission, and this mission is to somehow bless the rest of the world. And, and uh, you can't really do that if you have to spend a lot of time focusing in on your kids and focusing in on you know the tension created with children. So if we can reduce that tension, I think we could be more effective in our family life. Yeah, I, I think that's such a good definition or such a good way to look to to think about it i think sometimes tension um can be caused well a lot of times tension can be caused uh by getting things done and this is actually the first um area we want to out of the three that we want to talk about um we live in families where um things need to happen you know uh, uh, the house needs to be cleaned cooking needs to be done the wash needs to be done think think things need to happen around our home so um, this can be a reason many times that causes um, a lot of friction and tension between our ourselves and our children. And I think it's something that uh, we can really um, look at very closely when we uh, give instructions, for example, and how we expect our children to respond and how we train them to, to do that. I think um, it's so important to, um, to pay attention how we how we do that, how we give them instructions, how we um, talk to them, how we ask them to do what they do, even things, even simple things like asking them, uh, I would like you to do certain things now, getting close to them. So when we talk about getting things done as an area of things of uh, uh, as an area of that brings tension, um, the it immediately makes me think on how do we give instruction to our children and how do we how do we expect them to react as we give them instruction dr scott what's um yeah what's your um, what's your view on this well okay so when we're trying to get things done which is most of what we do from the time we get up to the time we go to bed we're getting kids you know out of bed into clothes uh, to the table getting all their bathroom things done out the door for going to school or 
If not, then we're doing some chores around the house. We're playing. We're you know going out together to do something. We have all of these things that we do, the getting things done department. And well, I think what you're drawing attention to is very important. The way that we interact together can define whether the cooperation level is high or low. Uh, and children who have a low cooperation level can have bad attitudes. They can uh, they can be defiant. They can be oppositional, and all that, of course, creates tension. And and so it's important how we approach that. And and in the biblical parenting coaching program that you and I are both a part of, we uh, we're very keen to help parents uh, script that instruction giving process. It's not because if we change the way we give instructions, we're going to get just the tasks done. But it's the when we change the way we give instructions or the way we work together, it builds the character inside of a child. It gives them the life skills they need. I mean, cooperation is necessary for life. And sometimes children are in negotiation, parents are in negotiation with kids or trying to reward them or bribe them to get things done. We really must work on the relational routine. So we call it a relational routine because it's a pattern that the parent and child have. I would suggest that you, you look at the way you give instructions in your home. You look at how things get done and, and uh, how the instructions take place and how children respond to them. And you identify the areas where things are getting off track. And then when you do that, then you can make some corrections or adjustments uh, and then require certain things of children. I think that we, it only works here. Cooperation only develops when children give up their agenda sometimes, or they um, are not as selfish or self-focused as they tend to be. So in order to move forward, we have to have training. And training is all part of, uh, of this relational routine idea. If we define that better and we enforce it, then we can make some major changes here with kids. So uh, I do think in the getting things done department, it's a very important thing for us to have these relational routines that zero in on the cooperation factor with kids. Yeah, I fully agree. And I think it's, it's true that many people, many, many people, many parents are struggling with giving instructions because they want to see things and they want to change, see change very soon. And they just want to see things getting done. And that's important. Um, but training is what is going to make that change and bring that change. So. It is an investment of time to train your child. Um, it's also an investment of um, in your own patience because you need to understand that you need to go through that process. But that will more and more in time bring your child to um, to get trained to respond better and to work better on those activities. And I know that from my own experience with a, a four-year-old, it's so difficult to get things done sometimes, and you have to repeat so many times. Um, some 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 uh, tasks that need to be done, and um, it's it's really a test on as a parent on on my patients, but also uh, trying to think: Am I doing this in a wrong right way? Am I training him enough? Is he exercising this when we don't have to necessarily do anything? Such as you know, do you do I work with him outside the these times to teach him how to come to me when he needs to? And it's, it can be hard for parents because it's, it's, it's an extra work, but um, it really works when done. So I want to encourage them to, um, to do invest time uh, in, in, in training and in repeating these activities and explaining to your child what you're trying to do. I think that's good. I think mm. we're not just working on getting things done. So what you're saying is 
we're going to use training exercises or other times when we're just going to practice working together. And that practicing working together does a lot to improve cooperation. Uh, so it's hard because sometimes children resist and you have to go to another area where tension uh, takes place. And that's in the second area where we have correction. So we, we really want to work on um, building cooperation as much as possible. But when children refuse, we have to go into correction. And correction is one of those areas where uh, we need to streamline the process. We need to be able to go through correction because all children need correction. But there's a way to do that that um, makes that a little bit easier, streamlines the process. So again, this is what we work on in the Biblical Parenting Coaching Program, but we're looking at relational routines. We're, we're trying to help parents see there's a, a regular process that you engage in with a child when a child's off track that we're trying to help that child make changes in the process. So, I mean, we use what we call a break and then a positive conclusion. The break separates the child for a bit. The child then comes back. We debrief about what happened and it happens every time. So we're always using this cycle, this relational routine in correction, then children know what to expect instead of a lot of the drama that sometimes take place in, in homes where children don't know what to expect. When we create a, uh, a systematic way to correct children, then we see some good results. So I, I would just say, again, parents need to examine the whole correction routine that they have with their children and see if they can streamline that process. It's a relational routine, again, that helps kids to be able to move forward in a good way. Yeah, I was um, recently in a conversation with someone and um, they said to me, you know, putting them, putting your child in a break, a young child in a break, can be challenging also for yourself because it feels, um, this parent was telling me, it feels like you are giving them the power to choose when they come back from the break or not. But I, you know, I think that's so important that the child needs to, when they are very um, upset, uh, crying, um, going, um, you know, going on with, with um, uh, moodness or whatever they struggling with, anger, it's so important to give them that time um, they, they, they need to, to calm down, they need to, re, uh, uh, to get to a point where they can have a conversation with you because during that time of um, anger, of upsetment, children of any age cannot have a, cannot have, we cannot have a conversation with them, we cannot have a, uh, a very efficient communication. So I think it's so important that. Dr. Scott, how do you, um, just one question around the correction about the, um, the break specifically, um, how would you respond to that parent who says, you know, I feel that I'm giving my son or my daughter the control when I put them in a break? What we were doing really in that situation is we're transferring responsibility for a change of heart to the child. We don't like timeout because timeout is like a sentence given to a child for a crime they've committed. And we're like the policeman who has to keep them there. We don't like that model because it usually sets a, a time, for example, five minutes for a five-year-old, 10 minutes for a 10-year-old. But we don't know how long it's going to take for God to bring about change in that child's heart. So if we transfer responsibility to the child, then yes, we are extending some control to them for how long they need to spend there. But if it only takes 30 seconds for a child to change the heart and they're ready to come back, then we want to be able to take them further through the process. Um, some children don't stay there long enough. We have to send them back to take a break because we want to see a countenance change in the child. But this relational routine that we designed called the break is a great way to demonstrate what God calls repentance. I mean, it's, mm. it's really God's plan that 
that the heart, when it's out of kilter, needs to be able to change and move back into or the right place. So we do give children that control, so to speak, or responsibility to bring about that change. And when they come back, then we debrief with them about it. So all of that is a relational routine. And I think parents could do a lot to reduce tension if they have a good correction routine. So establishing that in your home is strategic. It helps both parents and children know what to expect, what they're going to do. Because I think, frankly, parents, uh, if they don't have a good plan, they use anger to solve problems. And of course, that creates more tension. So uh, we're trying to streamline some of these things so that we can reduce the tension. Everybody knows what to expect. If someone's off track, they can get back on track with as little drama as possible. Yeah, and we do have an episode on the break. If you would like to go back and listen to that, just to refresh your memory on how, what are the best principles on how to go about doing that. All right. Well, I think this takes us into the third area, which is setting limits. And I think that's probably something um, that maybe we should have started with in a way, because I think setting limits can really um, breathe the, the principle, the principle um, factor um, that can influence where things are going. Um, how the expectations we're setting, but also how do we react or how do we let our children know that we will be reacting or how they are expected to be reacting to certain things. So Scott, how would you um, define, again, I'm asking you to, be, to unpack a bit, uh, how would you unpack setting limits? I think that parents know what they want with children. If a child comes in and asks for a snack, they know whether they're going to give the snack or not. The, the question is not usually with the limit itself, it's with how the child responds to that limit and then how the parent responds to that child. So here's how it goes. Child comes in and says, I'm hungry, I wanna eat a snack. Mom says, we're gonna eat in 30 minutes, so the answer is no. The child doesn't accept the no answer very well and then enters into a number of different uh, choices, okay? It could be the whining choice, it could be the complaining choice, it could be the badgering, it could be the arguing. All of those manipulative uh, techniques that are used when one can't accept no as an answer are not helpful relationally. They add tension to the drama of the relationship. And we want to reduce that. And, and I would suggest that parents can do a lot to reduce that by not engaging with children like that. Sometimes we need to say to a child, um, uh, look, you're complaining. You need to go in the other room. Oh, I'm not going to talk to you right now. In other words, firmness becomes the key. Or if a child starts to argue, we need to realize that it takes two to argue, but only one to stop. Uh, it just surprises me how many times parents enter into the dance with children to increase the tension when if they would stop the process earlier, then the child would have to deal with that and address that. And so, you know, I like to say to children, sometimes there's whiners and there's solvers. If you're just going to be a whiner, you need to go in the other room. If you want to be a solver, then you can stay here. You know, we can talk about it. But the idea of um, of children using manipulations to get what they want means they can't accept no as an answer. And then parents sometimes engage children by discussing it somehow. So we suggest parents move from the issue to the process. I'm not talking about that dirty shirt. Nope, you can't wear it. Um, and now, because the child's badgering the parent, then we say, look, the way you're treating me is wrong. So we move to the process, the way the child is treating the parent. And this can cut through all of this much more quickly, as children often find themselves um, 
trying to interact in a more in a way that that reduces the tension more quickly. I know we're going to have tension in family life, but we have to have a play to, a way to reduce it. And so having a plan for dealing with something like accepting no as an answer is going to be a strategic part of our whole strategy. All of these things, whether it's getting things done or correction or setting limits, those are the three main arenas in which tension increases. So we want to have strategies for each of those. And that's what we're talking about a bit here. Yeah, I think it's important to um, share with parents that the more you're doing this, the more you're you're working through the process, which Dr. Scott is sharing about, you know, moving from moving from the activity itself to the process to the more you do this, the more you're going to get your child used to having that conversation. I know, for example, with Joshua, when I when he's um, misbehaving and that happens a lot, um, I what I usually do is instead of continuing um, that, I t- t- tell him, look, you are doing the wrong thing now. You're um, you're not doing the right thing, which he knows what he should be doing. And then there's options. He either change he either changes immediately what he's doing or he has to go on a break. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes it's hard, especially if you are out and about or, but I think um, the more you do this, the more you set that expectation into your child also on what will happen next. They will know what will happen next if they don't change their heart. So that's very important indeed. I think that's key, Elena. I think what you're saying is really important that there's no magic or, or secret weapon here, but it's the patterns that are developed over a long period of time that can reduce the tension. So uh, if we work at it, then yeah, we can practice it at home. Eventually we can use it in public, but it, it takes a lot of work to change relational routines. But if you start now, then you can reduce the tension in your home successfully. So that's really what we're talking about here. Examine those. Of course, we have a lot of resources at the National Center for Biblical Parenting that can help with this challenge. In particular, we have a Heartwork family kit that has a copy of the Parenting's Heartwork book with it, an audio CD, and a, and a booklet that goes along with it that uh, parents can order on our website, biblicalparenting.org, and that helps parents address these kind of relational routines. So you can go in and look at that and gain some strategies that way. I think that would be helpful for, because I think a lot of parents want more. They listen to this and they mm. say, yeah, I, I need some more strategies to deal with these relational routines. What are they? What do they look like? And of course, they can find those on our podcast as well. Yeah. And I will link that into the details of the podcast so they can click on that and go directly to the resources. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, for sharing this information, Dr. Scott. Um, I want to encourage parents to go back and listen to the other podcast episodes that we have shared with them. I think sometimes we um, we can forget things. We can forget certain details that can be very helpful. So please go back and, and listen. Go uh, have another listen to the break, for example, or to the correction episode and um, refresh your memory on best practices on that. Um, and if you want to contact myself or Dr. Scott, please um, do that. Dr. Scott can be found at biblicalparenting.org. Uh, my website is parentingishardwork.org as well. And um, please uh, share with us questions, uh, thoughts, if you would like, or if you have any ideas about other episodes that you would find useful. We would love to hear your thoughts. Um, until next time, God bless you. Bye.